This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So within the last half hour, we heard from RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky. Now, she was talking about the arrest of 47-year-old Cameron Ortiz. This is an RCMP intelligence official now charged with multiple breaches of the Criminal Code and the Security Act. Apparently, RCMP, uh, he was brought to their attention in light of a 2018 investigation they were doing with the FBI, raised some concerns. They started their own investigation. That led to these charges. The investigation is ongoing at this point. It's not finished by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they are obviously keeping a lot of this under very tight control and close wraps. But here's some of what the commissioner had to say. As you already know, Mr. Ortiz, or Ortiz sorry, the director general of the National Intelligence Coordination Center, was arrested on Thursday, September 12th. He's been employed by the RCMP since 2007. Prior to his duties in the National Intelligence Coordination Center, he held positions in operations, research, and National Security Criminal Investigations Directorate. Mr. Ortiz has been charged for alleged criminal activity under the Criminal Code and the Security of Information Act. In 2018, the RCMP was supporting an FBI investigation, and through the course of this file, the RCMP uncovered possible internal corruption. We took immediate action and launched an investigation into the alleged activities. Our focus has been to diligently pursue this investigation, which led to the arrest. By virtue of the position he held, Mr. Ortiz had access to information the Canadian intelligence community possessed. He also had access to intelligence originating from our partners, both domestically and internationally. This level of access is appropriate given the position he held. That is RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky. Sorry about the quality of the audio there. I know it wasn't great, but what she had to say was very significant because, quite frankly, I can't think of when Canada has last seen a case like this. You've probably heard of other countries, right, having these high-profile cases, but not Canada. So what does this mean for us? Is this an embarrassment? Uh, should what, what should Canadian security be doing right now? Well, joining us to talk more about this today is Michelle Ginocchi. Katsuya is a former CSIS agent and senior manager, also the author of Nest of Spies, and he joins us now. Thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Simi. Now, when you heard about this case, first off, like what came to your mind? What did you think? Well, it's a great disappointment, of course, when you have a traitor among your rank. Uh, the uh, When you have the given your, your trust to somebody and they abuse that trust because of the position they have and the access that uh, to the information they had, um, it's always a great disappointment. But like you pointed out, it's not a common thing in Canada, yet it's not necessarily on, you, uh, uh, on scene of. We have to return to 2012 when National Defense was the victim of such traitor uh, with Jeffrey DeLille, who sold for a few years uh, secret to the Russian intelligence service. But for the RCMP, we have to return to the 60s and the 70s, where uh, Sergeant, Sergeant uh, Gilles Brunet uh, sold a secret to the Soviet intelligence service, the Russian again, uh, for close to uh, two decades. And unfortunately, he was not arrested before his death. He died in the 80s. 
and we discovered his uh, his name and his uh, activities only a few years later when a uh, uh, defector from the Russian uh, came and told us about it. Okay, that is so. You're saying that we don't really have a lot of history when it comes to high profile cases like this. No, no. Canada has an excellent track record in that perspective, and that's one of the reasons why we're not going to have uh, any rock throwing in our direction coming from our allies, because our allies have suffered a situation like this. Just last week, for example, the Australian discovered a similar case in in their ranks uh, uh, in their own country. Uh, the CIA had to pull uh, their top source uh, close to Mr. Putin because they were afraid that their own president would sort of reveal the, the existence of the source. And that source had been working for for two decades for the, the CIA. Uh, <clears throat> it's It's part of the game to have some people uh, to try to infiltrate another uh, department. But it's part of the risk also where we have sometimes a rogue element that will do it for most of the time money reason right. uh, uh, to uh, to sort of use a position that they haven't tried to sell the information they, they get access to. Right, because in typical Canadian fashion, I think a lot of the, the coverage and things that I've been hearing and reading from people, they're concerned about how this is going to be viewed by Canada's allies if their allies' information was also compromised, and that is somehow our fault. But it sounds like, Michelle, from what you're saying is we've, we've been on the other end of this many times. Many times. <clears throat> and many times we've helped each other. Uh, we've, I've, I've participated to cases myself where we discovered a spy among the U.S. and we share with the U.S. Uh, uh, the information. It looks like it happened the other way this time in the course of uh, an investigation, a joint investigation between the RCMP and, and the FBI. The RCMP realized that some documents were, uh, are coming from Canada, and that's where the investigated the investigation uh, started. And unfortunately, they discovered, or fortunately, depending how you want to see it, we've discovered that it was somebody from their rank, and they were capable to proceed with an arrest. Right? How? What does it say about our security issues, though? Are, are we suspicious enough of the people who actually work for us at that level? Do we do enough checking? Is do we need more procedures in place? Well, like I said, uh, if we look at our track records compared to the Americans who probably discovered every month a new mold uh, within their security and, and uh, intelligence uh, community, um, it, it's not that common in Canada to a certain extent. Now, is it because we don't watch enough and we don't pay yeah. attention enough? Or is it because we, we're, we're that good in protecting ourselves? It, it might be a combination of a little bit of both. I think we could be a little bit tighter. We could be a little bit better in some aspect. We definitely would need the uh, leaders and the politicians to lessen more uh, during the Harper government, for example, we had great difficulties to convince the Harper government about some of the spies and some of the agent of influence that we discovered around his own office and around his, his uh, ministers. Um, <clears throat> so the, Wait a minute, the what, do you, needs- what do you mean by that? Like, we knew that there were people who were spying in Ottawa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Canada is one of the countries in the world where there's the most spy activities. Contrary to a lot of people uh, might believe, Canada has a lot to offer. It's a society based on knowledge. Uh, We are uh, at the cutting edge of uh, technology in so many different fields. But not only do we have our own secret to protect, we have also the secret of our friends because we sit at all the major tables like NORAD, NATO, UN, etc., 
so we need we need to be capable to be able to raise the awareness and i think in that domain the general public needs to be a little bit more informed by the government and the government should take a certain role leadership role here in informing but Government after government, regardless of the color of their their their, their political party, um, they neglected that uh, that exercise. Are, are we now, too trusting? The organization, I'm sorry. Are we too trusting? <clears throat> I think we're naive to the point of being borderline stupid sometimes when it comes to security and international affairs. Uh, but again, like I said, it's it's very opportunistic to too often how the politician looks at the no, the, the notion of national security. But the national security agencies themselves, they take it very, very seriously. Uh, and like I said, we have to return to the 60s and the 70s before we have a case like this in the RCMP. So that's a fairly good track record for an organization like this. Uh, and, and it means because we have sort of a, a vetting process called the, the, uh, the uh, uh, security process to, to vet people every five years. For depending on which level of security access they have, secret or top secret. And uh, we, we try to sort of keep a good track of, of what's going on. We monitored also the, the exchange of document. But, you know, the human being is always the weakest link within the security system. And uh, when there is intention for somebody to, to do a rogue action, yeah. it's, it's possible. Just take, for example, the case of um, Edward uh, Snowden. He walked away with 1.2 million documents document in the palm of his hand because now technology allows us to walk around with a USB key that is, you know, very, very small and capable to load a lot of documents. So it's a totally different game. Uh, we got to be very, very careful. But it's, like I said, part of the deal. We need humans to work and protect us, but at the same time, those humans can be weak and uh, fall into the wrong side. It sounds like you're saying, though, Michelle, that if someone really wants to spy, they're going to find a way to do it. Uh, there's going to be a find. They can find, they could find a way, uh, but it might be just a question of time before we find them as well. So uh, nothing is, is totally uh, uh, security proof in, in, in either way. Uh, that said, um, we need to be capable to raise, like I said, the awareness within the public, within the, the general uh, uh, government operations in order to avoid these kind of things. But we need to be aware of what are what are the what is at stake? Mm-hmm. What are the big players? And then the big players, like I said, in this particular case, are not necessarily a foreign country who are sending their spies against us. I wouldn't be surprised that we will discover that will be the Russian organized crime tried to sort of buy this information because he was working on a very specific uh, money laundry organized cr- Russian organized crime mm-hmm. uh, file. And in the 90s, when the uh, Soviet bloc collapsed, a uh, great number of KGB officers went to the organized crime and uh, kept working with them. So they can be very, very sophisticated and operating at the same level of a national intelligence organization. Well, we still have so many questions. Uh, Michelle, thank you for this. That was really enlightening. Great pleasure again. Appreciate that. Yes, Michelle Juno-Katsuya, who is a former CSIS agent and senior manager, author of a book called Nest of Spies, giving us some more perspective on this Cameron Ortiz uh, investigation and the charges that have resulted from that.